You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul concludes his discussion of Genesis chapter 14, noting the special meaning of Melchizedek's name and the significance of the rare designation, Priest of God Most High. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. And these Mamre the Amorite, remember, the good oaks are the oaks of Mamre the Amorite and not the oaks of Moray, which are closer to Hebrew. And we have three people that are Baale Berit of Abram, which is Lord's of covenant, which means allies. There was a covenant between them and Abraham. That is remarkable that they were practically his brothers. That's how you become part of the Habron, Habura, Haburim, you know, brotherhood. And this notion of brotherhood comes in the following verse where Abram heard that his kinsman in English, in Hebrew, his brother, he heard that his brother, Lot, has been taken captive. Now, that tells us again that the word brother in Semitic languages is general, one of the kind, because Lot was not the brother of Abram. He was his nephew. But you are part of a group. And when you go back to the previous verse, you hear that the Amorites were also allies of Abraham. Okay, the pursuit goes as far as Dan, which is the northern part. But again, Dan reflects the judgment of God. So we shall see that God will judged the five kings of Mesopotamia. They were attacking the people living in Canaan. And they pursued all the way in verse 15 to Hoba north of Damascus. Very interesting. In the direction of Hamat. And again, we have here clearly the Syrian wilderness. Then he brought back all the goods and also brought back his kinsman Lot with his goods and the women and the people. Okay. And this is Abram who divided his forces against them by night in verse 15. He and his servants and routed them and pursued them to Hoba north of Damascus. I mean, it's impossible, but that's what the story is all about. That it is through the fact that God is dealing in a special way with Abram. He was committed to them. And Kedor Laomer is defeated and the kings who are with him 
And on the way back, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram at the valley of Shave, which is the king's valley. And out of the blue sky appears that Melchizedek linked to king of Salem. So you have Melchizedek and he is king of Salem. The author of Hebrews, I would ask my hearers to check on my commentary on Hebrews because the author deals in detail and he even mentions that first we hear about Melchizedek, then we hear about Salem. Very important that the ultimate peace is to be based on righteousness as we hear in Isaiah chapter 1. But that is the letter to the Hebrews. Let's not go this way, but it is important to realize what's going on here. That Melchizedek is a very important word, which means my king, which is God, is righteousness or the righteousness of my God. And as such, he is the Melech of Salem, which is very clearly at the end of Psalms, the city of Zion, not so much Jerusalem but Zion. Okay, we have all these key words. And he was priest of God Most High. Very interesting. This expression is rare and it expresses, if you like, the universality, not theologically, but universality of God over all things without having technically an abode, El Elyon. Elyon is from Allah to be up, okay, high, in the highest, as we hear. So he was a king and a priest. That is a direct linkage to Psalm 110. It's the only two places where we hear about Melchizedek. He is king and priest, which is, he expresses the fullness of kingship. Remember, Solomon was the king and the high priest. Until now, you know, Queen Elizabeth II is the head of the Anglican Church. So that's the way it is. But we do not have any mention of a building. Very interesting. And in spite of all that, we have table fellowship, bread and wine. It's a majestic verse. And Melchizedek, verse 18, king of Salem, brought out bread on wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he, Melchizedek, blesses Abram in the name of El Elyon, who is the maker of heaven and earth. The verb here is kone, it's different than bara or asa, but the connotation is the same. In my book, I point out that we have the Septuagint here translating this verb in Hebrew, which means technically to possess, to own, into the one who ektisen, build made, which is the verb that the Septuagint uses in Genesis 1. 
So you are referring to precisely someone in the highest and Genesis 1 is brought to you to get you into that mood of a God that did all that he did and he was already a full God without any need for a building. And he says, Blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Later, the author of Hebrews will play on that. That Abraham from whose loins Levi came. Levi to whom a tenth had to be offered by the others. Levi already in the loins of Abram offered the tenth to Melchizedek, king of Salem. It's a very powerful text. But again, you see, I hope, the importance of this chapter. To understand it, you have to know really the fullness of the rest of the Bible. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. It's something really beyond anything else in the Bible. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourselves. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord, God most high, maker of heaven and earth. Please notice the repetition. It's drilling into you that it is so. That I would not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is used, lest you should say I have made Abram rich. Abram gets his richness from El Elyon, who blesses him. And earlier we heard how he gave him so much richness. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. And notice the mention again of Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre take their share, who are what? Amorites. And this is how it ends. Again, the totality of the nations in the Syrian desert under an El Elyon who is way above in his heavenly Zion and does not need any temple. So the verses in Ezekiel 16.3 where we hear Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, notice Jerusalem, which is the sister of Samaria in 16. Your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. So we have Canaan, Amorite, Hittite, which is precisely the three players in this story of Genesis 14. And then it's repeated in Ezekiel 16.45. Your mother was a Hittite and your father an Amorite. So this is the way I view this chapter 14. When Abram goes following the people who wanted to make the people around him captive. Later we're going to have a repeat of this story. He comes back 
and he meets Melchizedek, king of Salem. And when you get to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, it is impossible for you to miss that. So as I said in the intro to this small cycle, if you like, of Abram, we have the total story that comes up. And then in chapter 15, as we shall see, again, another special chapter where we have the first mention of the covenant with Abram before chapter 17, which is the covenant of the circumcision. So we have to bring the data of scripture together. And then whenever you find a close parallelism, like Ezekiel, I brought it because you have the Amorite. Suddenly, out of the blue, why specifically three Amorites? It's not just the Amorites. You have three names. Then you just take note of that. Let me stress this. You cannot push your luck. Why? Okay, we don't know. You keep your notes. Until later, Genesis 23, you hear about Ephron the Hittite, which is very strange because the Hittites are even farther north than the Amorites. I mean, come on now, what's going on? Then again, you put it in the file. And you wait until Ezekiel 16. But what is happening with us when we get to know all the Bible, especially now we don't need to know it electronically, we go and punch a word, it tells us where it is, and we keep jumping. That's not allowed, because each of these statements are within a specific context. Hence my begging I mean, hammering and begging at the same time, people. To keep hearing again and again and again the Bible in its flow. Genesis 14 is before Ezekiel, which is before Psalms. You cannot force the issue. And that for me is at the heart of the matters. Because only then scripture is saying what it wants to say. Otherwise, all the theological books, including my commentaries, hopefully they are less so. But it's my take on. Who cares about my take on? We need to channel scripture. And the hearers have to make that effort to dismantle the speaker. That's why one has to have, as we say in Arabic, the patience of God himself. And that is practically impossible. Paul refers to it several times in Romans. He has the macrothemia, the forbearance. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.